while we're definitely targeting search like everybody else, I ask everyone to answer the one question. Why would someone bookmark or share this content? B2B Content Strategist is the podcast where you'll hear actionable advice and strategic guidance from content marketing leaders. I'm Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X, and I sit down with leading B2B marketers to discuss how they overcome challenges with limited time and resources and execute winning campaigns time after time. If you want to improve and streamline your content marketing, keep listening. Hello and welcome to this episode of B2B Content Strategist. I'm your host, Amy Woods, founder of Content 10X. And in this episode, I am speaking with Ronnie Higgins, who is the director of content at OpenPhone. OpenPhone is an all-in-one phone system for teams. I had a fantastic conversation with Ronnie and I can't wait to share this one with you. We talked about OpenPhone's ideal client persona, and the differences in marketing a horizontal versus vertical product. We also talked about what Ronnie's team looks like, hiring contractors, how to streamline processes, what their main focus is regarding their content strategy, and also Ronnie's determination to avoid what he refers to as this grey goo of content that has been just further exasperated since the arrival of AI. Ronnie has loads of great insights and interesting takeaways, And as I said, I can't wait to share this with you. So let's dive in. Ronnie, welcome to B2B Content Strategist. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Oh, no, it's uh, it's really good to have you here. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, To get started, in a summary, could you tell me a little bit about well, your role and also a few sentences about what OpenPhone does as well. Uh, definitely. So um, OpenPhone is a, uh, it's a business phone that is a soft, it's software. Um, so imagine instead of carrying around a second phone or going a business going to like AT&T or Verizon, they can just like download an app, sign up and have their business phone and the app itself actually is like a little mini CRM. Like you have conversation history, you have like, uh, you can collaborate. So if you have teams and um, it's a really innovative product. And my role as the director of content is to take the content engine that the founder had actually built on her own, uh, an amazing one. And then the team that she started to build a SEO team and, um, basically take what they have and turn it up to 11 um, is probably the best way to say it. And content's role at OpenPhone is primarily the organic uh, growth driver and the sustainable organic growth. So uh, we have paid and we have, you know, conversion rate optimization, but it's us that are bringing people into OpenPhone's orbit, taking them through their product awareness journey and creating the opportunities to raise their awareness about product features that solve their problems. Mm. And who are you marketing to? So who's that ideal client persona? We are. So a phone is very horizontal. It's not very vertical. Uh, It's actually the first time I've had to um, 
do my job in such a way. Like everywhere else I've worked, Udemy, it was uh, L&D HR uh, personas at um, Hoffman. It was event marketers and event professionals. And at uh, the at Eventbrite, it was also event um, people. But this is literally businesses in the United States and um, Canada. And they we're not going after like huge enterprise. We're actually going after small and medium sized businesses uh, in the United States and Canada. And they range from realtors to dog walking services to legal services to professional services like Athena's um, executive assistants. Uh, it just runs the gamut of a bunch of different personas. So does that make it more challenging from your role as head of content, planning out all the different campaigns? I would say it there's a it there's a challenge, but it's also something that before I even accepted the job, the job, I kind of had an idea of how to like get around it, which is to just uh, incorporate the voice of the customer and. It's a muscle that I'm actually currently building for us right now. Um, the last, I would say I started in September of last year and right after I started was when the, if I make her shit hit the fan in the VC world. Yeah. Uh, and then the economy, you know, everyone was freaking out. I think people are still like apprehensive, but people were really freaking out for a while. And so. I didn't like want to go too crazy and try too much. And I took a slow approach to it. And like, it wasn't until like around like January that I felt comfortable enough to start really putting the pedal to the metal. Um, and so we, we have an SEO strategy that is, um, taking what worked, but making it even more laser targeted. So we worked with a company called Growth Plays, which is uh, run by my friend, John Henry. And what they do is like something that most SEO agencies don't do, which is they actually have provided us with a playbook of SEO opportunities and said, go after this keyword with this type of content, with this type of angle, and you will get this traffic, which will then convert into this amount of trials and so forth. And so we have like this playbook that we can actually go to open phones board and say, here's what you can expect in the next quarter, um, which is really awesome. Um, and that is, I would say it has mentions of different ICPs. Like we'll say like, if you're a realtor or if this and that, and we'll have some examples we're pulling, but I recently restructured the, the like team in our workflows so that we're working so far ahead on projects like right now we have we're working on some projects that won't ship until maybe even august or july or end of july early august and that's to give my content producers enough time to then go talk to people get subject matter experts get voices of the customer so that we can actually produce a piece of content that might be I'm um, trying to give you an example here of like how to talk to customers, right? Like a piece that targets that keyword or a key phrase. And we'll do the like, I, you know, audience agnostic piece. But then because we have a lot of quotes from people, we've asked them for tips and tricks. Um, we can actually go and do versions of that that are atomized or repurposed that have, are like very specific to that, that um, industry. 
Um, but then also have, have those examples in that agnostic piece too. Um, and then slowly but surely as we build more examples and ideas and gather ideas from our audiences, we can start to build like huge listicles and maybe even like template galleries of like SMS templates for real estate. Like we have like a listicle right now for that, but in the future, as we build like a huge repository of them, I can imagine us building into our blog, which is getting redesigned and going to launch at the end of the month. Um, having like a sort of way you look through templates on like Airtable or Notion, like there's like a search field and everything. And you can find the ones you want and then maybe even allow UGC, like allow people to submit stuff. So sounds that's how awesome. I'm tackling that, um, the audience persona thing for a horizontal product. Yeah, sounds great. Um, and so who are you tackling this with? So what does your team look like in terms of the roles within it and, and you know, that structure? If I tell you all, like, hearing all that I said I'm doing, how big do you think my team is? <laughs> you want me to guess? Um, 10 strong, eight, nine, 10. I, I have one content marketer and oh, one really? SEO lead. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right now I am operating. It's because of just how lean companies and startups have to be right now. Um, I do have, I have augmented the team with contractors and I'm actually, uh, immediately after this interview going to be talking to someone about potentially joining as a contractor. And so I have an SEO lead, a content marketer who is essentially our like content strategist slash like managing editor. And then, um, we're have, we're going to have two content producers. We have one right now and their whole job is to get all the material that we need for a piece of content to write the brief, write the outline, and then hand it off to a pool of content writers that are contractors. Um, and we're floating the idea right now. And even like in the midst of uh, interviewing slash like testing out some potential contract editors to uh, help us like just streamline things. Cause uh, it's the three month outlook of our calendar that we'll always have, but also just want to make sure that uh, my content marketer and myself, like I'm reviewing every piece, but I don't want to, I want to be able to review every piece and have as little feedback as possible where right now I probably have like extensive notes on everything. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> with what I do as well. Um, so with there, obviously you said you're working with, um, different contractors, as you mentioned, are there specific aspects of the areas of content marketing that you're responsible for that you um, we'll always feel that that scale, that, that expertise, that kind of work, we should keep in house. And then specifically these areas are always, you know, worth outsourcing or not always, but they're the ones that you would consider to outsource. The one thing that I easily say outsource is case studies. Uh, we don't outsource them here. I'm actually the one doing them, uh, doing the interviews, doing the like, prep and then even writing them right now. Um, I, not the ones that exist on the site now. I literally just took over this, uh, but it's one of the things that I think is easy to take over because the, there's a very simple like way to approach them and it's not that complicated, but the, the process of doing case studies of getting people to say yes 
getting the interview scheduled, getting the, the like review and approvals. Like it, it's just, it ends up like being a drag on internal resources. And when you outsource that and allow that to augment, yes. Uh, writers, I have always used my entire, like, unless like I was writing stuff when I was writing stuff myself, when I was at IC, uh, I've always used writers, uh, contract writers. And for me, that's because writing great content, content that is, I, I hesitate to say high quality, but I mean the kind where like each paragraph has a thesis statement and the words like, like, even if it's like 5,000 words and it says on the thing, it takes 25 minutes to read, like you read it in 15 minutes because it's just like butter the way like the words come together. Yeah. Uh, that level of writing requires the space to write it. And from my IC days when I was writing, I struggled to get that caliber of writing out of myself. And it was like a huge source of imposter syndrome. And I eventually started to realize it was because I was in freaking meetings all the time, getting slacked all the time. And for me, I get the best quality writing when I have writers who have don't have to worry about what's happening at the company. Yeah. Um, so that's like the other thing I think about outsourcing. And with that, I don't like there's like a I want to say it's like a common like philosophy to keep your product content in house. And I agree with that to a degree, but if you can train your, uh, your contract writers to understand the product really well, and like we have like an entire wiki that like they have access to that we constantly update that says, here's how you talk about that product. And we recently hired a product marketer, uh, product marketing lead from, uh, from Loom that I, I'm really excited to be working with them. Like when I interviewed him, I hit up my founder and said, just give him an offer because he's like mind-blowingly good at his job um, that I can say is going to like make that wiki even better. And so that's the outsourcing philosophy for me is like, if you can outsource it, sure. Uh, the one thing that I, I have struggled to outsource is strategy. The only agency I've ever worked with uh, it's called Message Lab, and we worked with them at um, Eventbrite, and they really were like helping me do something that I was trying to do on my own. Uh, so having that expert out, outside expertise allowed me to then build what I was trying to build, which was more uh, product agnostic, completely product agnostic stuff that was more community driven before community was like a buzzword in marketing. Uh, cause I wanted to tell stories of our, the people putting on the events and my vision, there's this document internally at somewhere on Google drive at Eventbrite talking about a vision for the future. And I said, we should create the next Rolling Stone where Rolling Stone wasn't just about like, Oh, here's the artist and the music. It was about the groupies, the fans, the roadies. Like it was just like anything that could even politics. And so, uh, I had this vision for doing that at Eventbrite, that message lab had, um, a similar idea and we worked really well together on that. Um, but other times I've tried to work with like really amazing, like agencies, like foundation Inc, um, is one of them. I know you've had, um, Ross on here and I just was like, I, he's a genius. But I'm also already like thought of that and I'm going to do that. And 
it was just this thing where I was like, I guess I don't need an agency for strategy because it's if there's anything that I have, like I'm good at, it's that. Yeah. If there's anything that I'd say, you know, through running this, the second season of this podcast, as we've discussed this topic of in-source, outsource, I, I say one of the main areas that people have said we do tend to retain in-house is the, the strategy um, side of things. And as you said, outsourcing more along the lines of writing and also some of the marketing teams talk about outsourcing SEO and paid social, of course, as well, and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I definitely outsourced uh, um, the SEO strategy. Um, we have our, my SEO lead is probably like, I mean, I'm biased, but I feel like he's late in the, up there. He just isn't as active on social as most of the people who are known for SEO. Um, and he's why we are already successful as a content team before I started. Um, but, um, we augmented it because, uh, he had a lot of the technical skills and everything else. And I just wanted to like almost amplify his skills with growth plays. And it's been a really great partnership there. Yeah. Sounds like you've surrounded yourself and come in surrounded by some really awesome people, which is fantastic. <laughs> Just a super quick break from this conversation to let you know that if you're a B2B technology or professional services company and you want help with streamlining your content operations, outsourcing your content repurposing is the number one way to produce more high quality content and boost your ROI without putting any more pressure on your team. In fact, it could save your team up to 30 hours per week. We offer content repurposing services for video and audio content. Whether you have a show or you're launching a brand new one, maybe you have an archive of awesome content, be it webinars or a virtual event, or you want help creating thought leadership content that we can repurpose, we've got you covered. Head to content10x.com to see how we can help you and start increasing your efficiency and the value you get from your content. Now back to the conversation. In terms of your overarching content strategy, so, you know, obviously you've mentioned lots of different content that you work on and the blog that you have is, is um, you know, got lots of content on it. I've seen on LinkedIn, lots of upbeat um, content on LinkedIn. Um, you're on TikTok, you've got YouTube content. What's the focus? So I guess like what are your current priorities um, in your with your content strategy? Right now, my... Number one priority is, um, how do I say this? Is I'm trying to make sure it doesn't sound like oh high quality content because it's like such a weird phrase, and I agree with a lot of the backlash to it. But we have entered an age with a AI, but really machine learning, uh, Chat GPT, Jasper, all these tools that. Ha, are like exasperating a trend that's been going on since 2018 of copycat content and sameness in this like gray goo of content. I've even had a friend who knows what I do, but is so far removed from it that I was surprised they understood it, uh, who said, you know, content marketers like you are ruining Google. And I was like, what do you mean? They said, I tried to Google something the other day and like, I really just could not find the answer I was looking for because everything I searched for was so like, was just basic information. 
that I already knew and no attempt to like amend or change the query helped him find the like more advanced information. And I think like there's this sort of reckoning right now that I am hoping to position open phone to avoid, which is, uh, the comfort content has to have a significant information game. And like I gave the example of how to talk to customers. I'm actually the one who I am pulling up my sleeves and doing this piece from soup to nuts to show my team what I mean. And it's a thing I don't normally do, which is I wrote the intro before I did anything else. And this intro, and I'm going to paraphrase it here. It said it literally is written and I'm probably going to stick with it by the time I publish this is like, if you've found this piece of content after searching for how to talk to customers on your favorite web engine and are frustrated with the results, you've come to the right place. And it says that, you know, most of the content is, has basic and almost useless information like make eye contact, blah, blah, blah. And I even say like, no shit, Sherlock with it bleeped out and say, it's not that the, that information is not, you know, useless at all. It's rooted in something real. It's just missing the like nuance of what people like you, the reader have actually experienced as real life, tangible examples that make it more concrete because in B2B SaaS, the like education style content needs to have like a, if it's not a tutorial like straightforward tutorial like this is going to be more strategic it's got to have conceptual strategic and then tactical layers and a lot of content doesn't have like that tactical layer they'll tell you to go do something but then they won't tell you how to do it they like yeah you'll figure it out and so right now i am putting all of my energy into steering the content ship at open phone to that higher like bar of uh, value, I'll say instead of quality, like, and part of it is also like not just the information gain, but the experience. So a lot of content marketers who come from journalism have this background that helps them think in terms of like the lead and then the story. And I come from film broadcasting and it's a time sensitive medium. Like when you go to watch a program on TV or you go to watch a movie, you look at the runtime. You're like, all right, you want to know, can I fit this in my day? And when everybody is a content creator, not just businesses, but, you know, teenagers next door, like the search and opportunity costs of consuming content is so high. You have to respect that. And so part of what I'm instilling in everyone is like, all right, think about the consumption experience holistically. I read this intro. Did it captivate me enough to keep going? Great. All right. Now, now how does it flow? How does the, this piece of content, you know, where are the like aha moments throughout the piece of content? How many are there? Um, how many times did we make them laugh? Like, like put some pop culture references in there so that we, they feel like we actually know them 
And it's something that I think that AI, unless like you're painstakingly telling it to do this, can't do it. You can't go write a blog post on how to talk to customers that targets a, you know, small businesses in the United States and Canada. It's not going to like come up with like a, a pop culture reference of two characters from a popular TV show who couldn't understand one another. Like that's not going to happen. Like you need a human and someone to care about and think about where to place that. And so that's the crux of my strategy because, um, right now, the reason I want to do that is while we're definitely like targeting search, like everybody else. I want, like in every one of my briefs, I ask everyone to write answer to the, uh, one question is why would someone bookmark or share this content? And that's everything I just described is aimed at answering that question because it made me feel something is why someone bookmarks it. It made me feel empowered and I want to make other people feel empowered. So I'm going to share it. And so I'm looking for people to, uh, who work for me to answer that question in that regard. And then deliver it. And, and I mean, everything that you just explained there, um, as you already referenced as well, I don't believe can be achieved by AI. I think, um, you know, the tools like ChatGPT um, and other of those generative AI type tools are, in my opinion, like really terrible at any kind of long form written content. I know you can keep probing and getting prompts better and things like that, but, you know, it's still seems like a robot and it and it's it's not good it's good for some things but not really long form written content um on that um obviously i think we probably it sounds like we agree on that but within your team are there some areas that you are using ai in your content creation workflows or the team workflows or any um you know kind of opinions on some of the uh, ways it may be it's helping or can help or you're going to try <laughs> no um so we use jasper mm -hmm. yeah and more recently i have greenlit my team to using chat gpt plus okay and our ai policy which is right now more verbal and will be written soon is similar to the ones you've seen elsewhere like wired had a good one that i was like basically gonna like say like that which is like, we will never, ever, 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 ever publish something that was just straight out of an AI, like ever. It'll always have to go through a human editor, a human who writer, and so forth. Now, um, workflows, like they're constantly evolving. So uh, to back up, I've been using generative AI since around like 2020. Um, I, was, I guess you could say I was an early adopter. I started off with copy AI. Um, those um, were actually uh, little small tasks like repurposing content. Uh, and so think about like atomizing email, landing page, and promotional copy from like long form content. And then every now and then I would use it to uh, generate like shitty first drafts of a paragraph or something if i was had writer's block i'll be like give me the like worst thing so i can then go oh i can do better than that um over the years it's now like audience research so like back to how did i like figure out what to do with such a horizontal audience i 
used AI to say, all right, if you were doing this, what are some of the pain points? What are the struggles? Like asking it questions. And this is actually before chat GPT. I was like, just seeing what happens if I like asked questions in like a doc and letting it go. Chat GPT made it even easier because I can clarify stuff. But uh, then there's like topic research. So like with chat GPT plus, like being able to do like a read the web and link readers, like I can say, you know, here's this piece of content that's ranking, like it's number one, read it, tell me what it's missing. Uh, help me understand, like help me figure out and possible angles is another thing. Um, next, I'd say content ideation. So like uh, doing, it's like doing keyword research, but more audience research. So like um, you are, like, what is the day-to-day -day of this person and what are some of the tasks and jobs that they have to do? So I can then start thinking about not what are people searching for, but what are they doing in their day-to-day? -day? So I can then tap into those experiences as I were creating content. And then um, editorial feedback. So another AI tool that I use is Lex. Um, and I don't know if you've used it. I can give you an invite. If not, um, it's a really cool tool. And... Uh, Nathan from Every Who created it, uh, he has this thing in there where you can actually have it provide feedback on a piece of content. And sometimes like what it'll do is like, I'll, my editing process is just skim or read the intro, skim the H2s, then go back and read it. And then what I'll do now is sometimes I'll throw it into Lex and I'll say, all right, what is Lex pointing at, or sometimes I'll do my editorial feedback, then I'll do Lex and I'll say, all right, what did I miss? Is there something else like I should be thinking about? So it's just a, an augmentation more than a crutch is probably how I would say we use it. And I'm sure my team probably has some other nifty ways of doing it. Oh, uh, one of my content producers uses it to um, summarize books and get like the like essence of books out so that she doesn't have to read mainly nonfiction, like some business books and things like that. So she'll get like a breakdown of like the takeaways in a book so she can actually like reference it in a piece of content as though she read it. <laughs> That's really clever. I've been, I've always had, well, for a while had Blinkist, which obviously is a, is a paid for tool. So it sounds like it's being used <laughs> as a similar tool to Blinkist. <laughs> I've, been a I've been a subscriber to Blinkist for years. And after she showed me that, I'm like, which, I mean, Blinkist is awesome. I, I don't want to, like, disparage anybody from doing it. In fact, it's probably a better quality product than what I get out of ChatGPT. But those are just some examples. I'm sure there's more I'm not thinking about. But I think I, I'm just one of those people who was adamant about AI and excited about it. And I've actually convinced people in my network who initially were like, that's the devil to understand it's not. <laughs> I mean, they use Grammarly. That's essentially the same thing. I mean, now it's actually like an AI tool, which we have, but we haven't used. Uh, but yeah, it's that, like just a tool. It's like going from a typewriter to a word processor. It's just a piece of technology. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, a lot of people probably don't realize how long they've been using AI in the different tools that they have, but they just haven't put two and two together and thought it's a machine learning or AI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's text all... is just the trans is like well, it was before transformers, but yeah, yeah, chatbots and things like that. 
I I mean, I agree with you. Um, you know, I see it as an opportunity. Well, we just need to embrace it. Like you said, it's, it's just like moving to the, the from the typewriter to the computer. Um, it does stagger me sometimes how much trust some people put in the outputs of something like ChatGPT. They'll ask it to do a bit of research and just genuinely believe every single thing that it said and that there's no further research that needs to be done. And it's, it staggers me that, that you would just think that like... Yeah. It doesn't surprise me considering like how often have you found a piece of content that references stat and then you click on the link to the stat and it's just another blog post that has another link and then you go down a rabbit hole and you figure out there was never any original source here. Like someone just trusted all these people to make up a stat and reference it. It's And it's actually something that like uh, ChatGPT does pretty like well is that same problem. And it's because it's learned from that content. So it just regurgitates the BS that we've been regurgitating. Exactly. Yeah. And if every person uses the same robot to regurgitate the same BS, then we just get that everywhere, don't we? So it's just, it's like the same as, you know, like we were saying at the start, you wouldn't, well, hopefully like people would not be using it to just create a long form piece of written content and then just publish it. Um, but if everybody did just use the same robot to create the same piece of content about the same thing, then there's no wonder all the content starts coming out generic and half the time incorrect as well. So, um, yeah, it's a whole other episode. Um, I know that we are coming near to the, the time that we have for this episode. So I'm just going to jump to asking you a few quick fire questions, if that's okay. So one takeaway tip that you'd give your younger self starting out in your marketing career? <laughs> Trust your gut. Like you, you're every time that I have been told that, like, like this whole like idea of building a media company is something I've been saying for years. And I saw the vision of it like early on in content and all these years I've kind of had kind of, ran up against like aversions to it and every time i felt vindicated as something would validate it and validate it and how to, the industry's progressed so trust your gut yeah and you just talking about the media company um i saw i haven't had time to go there in the conversation we've had but you're an advisor to audience plus right and a, a key thing if I'm correct with their platform, is around helping companies to embrace that media company um, angle, isn't it? Like a, a platform yeah, to help a different your approach than mm -hmm. what content of marketers have, have done in the past. And it's just about like building your audience, your loyal, like it's like building fandoms, commercial fandoms. Um, a person who actually planted this idea in my head is Zoe Scammon. I can send you a link so you can link it later uh, to her stuff. But she, uh, yeah, she um, helped me see that like this idea of fandom, like for Marvel and whatever, like in Star Wars is actually like slowly becoming a thing in the commercial world. And Audience Plus believes that uh, you can build a platform or have a, like a property that people gravitate to a third place, a digital third place that they can then go consume content. And as a company, you don't have to rely on third parties to tell you what they did or like how engaged they are so that you can make more informed decisions about the content that you provide. I find it really 
really useful uh, and it's great to hear that these things are you know are coming to the market so our audience plus have been following you know what they've been doing in the platform and things like that I just think it's super exciting really really interesting and quite a few of our clients are doing exactly that um in terms of building side platforms that are the sort of media area and the fan area and the community area that's separate to their existing site it's not just a blog on the site and some content on the website it's something separate completely so it's really interesting um but i'll ask one final one this this um question is always a fun one so if you could create any content um for your organization so um any content at all for open phone uh, with unlimited budget unlimited resources um people have said reality tv shows billboards in times square um primetime tv shows what would you do <laughs> uh closer to the latter so uh i could imagine a comedy series following the misadventures of a small business owner that open phone small business customers would see a version of themselves in and couldn't help but root for uh think like like imagine like silicon valley the hbo show but small business owners and operators instead of startup founders and venture capitalists like i just think that would be fun like they would just to see a character going through the things that probably like it would be like a release of their frustrations and all the things that they have to do because i definitely couldn't do it all the things <laughs> that they do yeah i absolutely love that that's fantastic um and uh you'd be able to repurpose that all over the platforms and um yeah <laughs> i'm already thinking oh my god that'd be so good um absolutely love it right i really appreciated um speaking with you and your time and everything it's been such a good conversation i know everyone listening is going to have got so much value from this um is there anywhere that you would like people to go um i'll put the links to your linkedin etc of course the company as well but any other action or anything you'd like people to? Uh, not right now uh soon hopefully we'll have some more things that in the pipeline i'm working on a show right now but don't want to give it too many details on that and um but yeah twitter linkedin um just follow me there awesome well thank you thank you so much it's been an awesome conversation so thanks ronnie no problem thanks for listening to this episode of b2b content strategist do let me know what you thought of our conversation by getting in touch with me on social media. You'll find Content 10X on all the social platforms or search for Amy Woods, CEO of Content 10X on LinkedIn. To find out more about streamlining your content marketing processes and specifically about content repurposing, check out our website, content10x.com, where you'll find information and resources that will help you achieve more with your content more efficiently. And if you're looking for a partner to outsource your content repurposing and distribution to, get in touch as we offer a world-class, fully end-to-end, done-for-you content repurposing service. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I'll catch you in the next one.